Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Now let's jump into the word. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. But before we talk about Romans, let's talk about basketball. Is anybody watching the playoffs or is it just me? Nope. (laughs) Nope. Well, you just killed my illustration for the next two minutes. (laughs) I'm a huge basketball fan and normally I don't start watching until we get to the playoffs. And this playoffs uh, series, this playoff season has been ridiculous. There's been about 11 all-stars or superstars that have had to miss at least one game or multiple games. We're talking like Kevin Durant, James Harden, LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James. For those of you who watch The Vine, maybe not. All right. And then Anthony Davis. Like, so there's been about 11 all-stars that have had to miss the playoffs. And so there's this speculation that's going around the NBA like this isn't the um, season for the best team to win, but it's actually the season for the last man standing. Because the two folks that are playing, the two teams that are playing, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns, the last time the Milwaukee Bucks were in the playoffs were in 1974, forever ago. And their key player was um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he's like in his late 60s now. And then the last time the Phoenix Suns was playing in the playoffs was in 1994, 1993. It was actually Jordan's last game for his first retirement. Um, And Charles Barkley was on the team back then. He's, I don't know if you knew this, but in college he was called the round mound rebound because he was a hefty dude and he lost some weight in the NBA He's picked it all up because he likes bologna sandwiches. In case you didn't know that, just a little nugget. But, but so there's, there's all this like theories of what if, what if, what would this playoff finale, this, this final season look like if James Harden and Kyrie Irvin hadn't got hurt? The Nets would probably be in the playoffs. What if LeBron James and Anthony Davis hadn't gotten hurt? They probably would be in the playoffs for their second championships. And so we have these what ifs. What, what are the what ifs in your life? If things would have went differently or if you would have made a different decision in the moment, whether it was last week, last year, last decade, how would your life be different? For me, I think about these if only, even if, what if moments. What if we would have moved to Murfreesboro sooner? Back in 2009, when we had the first thought, the first dream to plant a church, some of the folks that we planted the church with wouldn't even have been in Murfreesboro at that time. And then I think about what if we had not pushed back? For some of you who don't know the story, we originally planned to launch at the end of February in 2020. And then in November of 2019, we decided to push back. Now, what if we would have launched in February of 2020? We would have had to close our doors for a season. What if, like my wife and I have degrees in elementary education, what if we would have moved to Georgia right after we got married to be school teachers? 
And my, when Jennifer and I were talking through this last night, she was like, what if you didn't marry your spouse? And I was like, that's not a conversation we want to have, right? That's, but, but what are these what ifs in your life? Let me ask you this question. What if money were not an option? What would you pursue? Just what would you pursue? What if you knew you couldn't fail or even if you did, everything would still work out okay? What would you do? And we think these theoretic questions, but actually I want to ask the question is this, and we're going to look at a, a what if in a moment that says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And we look at this word if, it's a, it's, it's a tiny, tiny word, but it's actually, I did a little research, it's a conditional conjunction. Do you guys remember conjunction, junction, what's your, come on, come on. I didn't know that was like a three-minute video. I thought it was like just like a minute-minute minute song, but it's a whole, and it's just the same thing. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? But he didn't include if in that. It was only and or but. But if is a much more powerful when you think about this. And this conditional conjunction, what it says is it ties a condition, a belief, or an action to a perceived potential preferred. You like that? a perceived potential preferred present or future outcome. There's a lot of alliteration there, but what it's saying is, look, it's tying a, an attitude, a belief, an action, a condition. If this takes place, then this will be the outcome. If and then. And so it's like, if you would have studied more for the test, you would have passed, right? If you would have left sooner... It's nobody in this house. You would have not been late. For me, I had a big if in high school. I played basketball in our sophomore year. We made it to the state finals, and I had an incredible mane of hair. I know it's hard to picture now, but I let my hair grow out to about my chin length, and I was proud of it. We called it the butt cut because we parted it down the middle, <laughs> and it went down the sides, and I had it shaved underneath, and, and we made it to the state finals. I know. I shaved it underneath. I was going for the Kurt Cobain Nirvana look, and I had a little, little bitty man bun. It wasn't much there, but all the seniors, we made it to the state finals, and Jennifer and I had just started dating. 16 sophomores in high schools were at the state finals. There's like seven or eight seniors on the team, and, and they had all said, more because that's what you do when you're on a team, right? You call everybody by the last name. Is it more, if we win the state championship, we're shaving your head. Oh, man. I'm not very competitive, and I was torn. We made it to the state finals, and we're up, and then we're down. We're up, and then we're down. And in my head, I'm like, I don't know which is going to be better. If we win, it's going to be incredible, but I'm going to be bald. Will Jennifer still, like, want me if I'm bald? Because I don't have a good shape for a bald head. And, but if we lose, then we're not the state champions. And so I had this big conundrum of this if and. Anybody been there? It's like, if this happens, this would be great. But if it, it changes. And so I want us to look in Romans chapter 8. We're, we're going to get to Scripture, I promise. Romans chapter 8, Paul makes this incredible if statement. Romans chapter 8, when you're there, say, I'm there. Awesome. I give you guys plenty of time. Let's start in verse 28. We're going to read several passages, and we're going to step through this. It says, <coughs> excuse me, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son 
so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chose them, he called them to come to him. Having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them the right standing, he also gave them his glory. Verse 31, what shall we say about such wonderful things? Paul asks a question. And then he asks the second question. If God is for us, who can ever be against us since he did not even spare his own son but gave him up for us all? Won't he also give us everything else? Guys, let me encourage you. Go read Romans 8. Romans chapter 8 is a cornerstone in our faith. It is in the middle of the book of Romans. Paul is writing to the people of Rome. And in this one chapter is a wealth of gold about our faith and how we can walk this out with the strength that God has given us, being led by the Spirit with the responsibility of, of following the Spirit. And in this, he makes this statement. He says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? And he says, what else can I say about these wonderful things is the first question he asks. And, and what he's referring to is, is in the previous passages before, he, is, he has made known everything that we have in Christ. The fact that you and I have freedom over the power of sin. The fact that you and I have the ability to be led and guided by the Holy Spirit. But also in addition, we also have a responsibility to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit as opposed to the temptations of the flesh. And it says that when we do this, like one of the passages in Romans 8 says, not only will we share in his suffering, but we will also share in his glory. And that you and I, when we do this, and like I love this, talks about us being sons and daughters, and that when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us, and that we've not been given a spirit of fear, but instead a spirit that makes us sons and daughters with him, it's gold. Look at your neighbor and say, it's gold. No, look at him and say, it's crypto coin. <laughs> That's how good it is. It's so much. And Paul asks, is, is, is it crypto coin? Is that what it is? No, Bitcoin. Cryptocurrency, Bitcoin. Thank you, Chris. It's Bitcoin. It is better than gold. And he says this, if God is for us, then who can be against us? And I have, I've, I've, I've kind of had this thought, like, this is the question that I want us to, to kind of camp out on for the next two or three weeks. And looking at different aspects of this, because how would our life be different if you and I actually believed that statement? How would our life be different if we actually believed God is for us? And if God is for us, then who can be against us? What would our relationship with God look like? What would we risk for faith? What would our, our relationships with other people look like? What would we step out and do if we knew that, that, that God is for us? What could we accomplish? And even more so than this, what could we endure? What could we endure? What could we overcome if we knew God was for us? us. Now, that, this, like, this statement is not a permission slip and is, is, is not an opportunity for us to bring God our plans and ask him to endorse it. 
Because that's what we want to do. We want to bring God our plans and say, hey, God, I want you on my team. And I want to accomplish this, so I want you to be for me. It's actually the complete opposite. See, God's not a free agent that we can enlist on our team. He's trying to pull us over onto his team. Not so that we can accomplish our purpose, but so that he can accomplish his purpose. And and so what does that look like? What does that mean for us? Paul says this in Romans 8, 28 and says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And if you attend Avenue Church, you're gonna hear this verse a lot because it is embedded in my spirit and my heart. I will find a way to bring it out because it's one of my life verses. But if we're not careful, we will even twist this, that God will use everything for our good and believe it's supposed to feel good, (laughs) right? But the truth is this, is that just because it doesn't feel good doesn't mean it's not for good. Just because it doesn't feel good doesn't mean it's not for good because I like to be completely honest, some of the things that are good for us do not feel good. Eating healthy does not feel good. Some of you maybe. I need to have a conversation with you. I need some help. There was a bag of Cheetos on my stove last night, and my wife told me not to open it. But when she got home, some elves had opened the Cheetos, and there were crumbs all over. It's, it doesn't feel good. Exercising doesn't feel good. I'm trying to start back running, and, you know, Chris made a statement a couple weeks ago. He said, you don't get, it doesn't get easier. You just get stronger, And the problem is, like, I've ran long distances. I made it up to, like, 14 miles. And so I know the work it takes to get to that point. And I'm having to fight the endurance to be able to get to that point because we want everything that's for good to feel good. But just because it doesn't feel good doesn't mean it's not for good. And God causes everything to work together. I want you to hear this. He doesn't cause everything. But he takes those things that he did not cause, that maybe you caused, that was a a harvest of something that you sowed. Maybe it's a consequence of some decision that you made. There is a consequence, but he can even take that and he can use it for your good. And even in those seasons and those idiot mistakes that we make and those things, those regrets that we have, they didn't feel good. The consequences didn't feel good, but God can take and shape and use those for your good, to accomplish, say this with me, his purpose. Let's say it together. His purpose, not our purpose. We want to read that, and we want to bring our plans to God, and we want to say, hey, endorse my purpose, and it's not. It's his purpose. What is his purpose? If you look up at some of the most Googled questions on Google, (laughs) right? Some of the most Google asked questions on Google, people are wanting to know, like, how do you find out your purpose? How do you discover your purpose? How do you, you, like, that's even one of the things that we want to help you do. We want to, you know, lead you to a place where you can experience God's love, find your identity in Christ, and then walk out your purpose. And to be completely honest, you can't walk out your purpose until you know your identity in Christ, and you can't fully know your identity in Christ until you have experienced God's love. But we want to we wanna bypass those two things and go straight to the purpose. And we think that purpose is for me to be a church planner. 
We think that purpose is for you to be a missionary, to be a school teacher, to be an incredible mom, an incredible husband. Those are all things that we should aspire to attain, but that is not God's ultimate purpose for us. His ultimate purpose for us is found in the scripture that he chooses us to become like his son, Jesus, in image and in likeness. That is his purpose for you and I, is to become like his son, to have the mind of Christ, to have the compassion of Christ, to have the forgiveness that Christ offered us, to endure suffering as Christ endured suffering. And then everything else that we do, guys, should be a byproduct of you and I becoming more like Christ. Because I promise you, the more you pursue Christ and become like him, the better husband you're going to be. The more you pursue Christ and become like him, the better son, the better daughter, the better employee, the better student, the better fill in the blank. And as you're pursuing to become like Christ, God is fulfilling his purpose in you, which is good. And that doesn't always feel good. And in the moments, we often think that since this doesn't feel good, then God is not for us. An incredible story in Genesis Chapters 37 through 50, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but it's a familiar story to some of you. It's the story of a young man named Joseph who was his father's favorite, and his father made him a coat of many colors, and his brothers didn't like him. His brothers thought he was just a snotty, a snotty kid. And so Joseph had these dreams of what he felt like he was supposed to accomplish and what God was setting up to do, but God had to take him through a process to work that out. And what he thought was going to be instantaneous was actually decades for him to get to that point. And in that story, Joseph is thrown in a pit by his brothers. Joseph is pulled out of the pit by his brothers. He's sold into slavery by his brothers. Then God raises him up in a house. And then he's accused of a crime that he didn't commit So he's thrown back in prison and he's forgotten about while he's in prison. And I don't know, when you read that story, every time something bad, when he's in the pit, it says, and the Lord was with Joseph. When he was sold into slavery, it says, and the Lord was with Joseph. And when he was thrown back into prison, it says, and the Lord was with Joseph. And what was happening, when you read the story, when you get to the end of it, he makes this this comment when his brothers, and there's, there's a great famine in the land, and his brothers come to get food, and they don't recognize him, and at the point, they finally recognize him, and he lets them know who he is, and they're afraid for their life because of all the horrible things that they've done to him. Joseph makes this comment. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many, and he forgives his brothers. Now, we read this as the story of Joseph, but here's what we need to know is that the story of Joseph is an archetype, an archetype. It is a foreshadowing of who Jesus is to be. Joseph endured suffering, saved people, forgave those that hurt him. Would you think? say that is the mind and the likeness of Christ. 
And so I don't know like what you've experienced. I don't know what you've went through that maybe at some point has made you think like God is not for me. How can I be going through this? It is probably he's there with you and he's using it to shape you and to form you and to mold you into the image of Christ if we will allow that process to happen. And the part that you and I are responsible for is not the process. We're responsible for how long that process takes. Because some of us, we may not always get it the first time. We may not get it the second time. But once we finally get it, that work begins to take place in us. And so just as Joseph was, was, even though like Jesus wasn't on the scene, Joseph was a picture of what Jesus would be. And what God is trying to do in you and I is to form us into the image of Jesus. If God is for us, who can be against us? And we have to have the mindset, like God is for us, not just for us to accomplish our plans so that he can form us into the image and the likeness of Christ. And if that is true, and all these things are true, what could we accomplish? If we really, if you and I, really believed this, that lived as if God is for us, we would understand two things. And I think we would, like, I want to be able to remember this and walk in this, that, that if God is for us, then one, nothing is wasted. If God is for us, nothing is wasted. Every success, every failure, every laughter, every tear. Every joy, every heartache is not wasted. It just may not seem like it right now because guess what? You're in process of being formed into the image of his son. Nothing is wasted. And I want to read this passage in, in 832. It says, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he give everything else? Second thing I want us to know, guys, is nothing is withheld. Nothing is withheld. Yeah, but I need this in order to do that. Well, if you're supposed to do that, then guess what? He will bring that to you. And, and we have this mindset, like I really, look at me, look at me. I really want us to live. I want you to live as if God is for you. Not from the standpoint that you can do all that's in your heart. That's great. But I want you to live from the standpoint of knowing that God is for you so that he can mold you into the person that he wants you to be and has you destined and planned to be. And that may mean walking through some seasons of hurt and pain and that may mean walking through some seasons on the mountaintop in celebration. But in all of that, from beginning to end, absolutely nothing is wasted. And I want that to sink into your heart because some of you have been through just some terrible times. You've experienced heartache that no one may know about. That season is not wasted. He's going to take that season to refine you into who he's called you to be. Some of you are wondering, like, 
God, are you even there? Do you hear my prayers? I need, I need this resource in my life. I need this relationship in my life. I need this to take place. I need you. And we feel like God's withholding from us. Maybe he's not withholding from us. Maybe he's drawing us to him. Because in the seasons we think we have all that we need, we don't pursue him, right? But in seasons where we feel like, like, like my kids do it, your kids do it, for those of you who are parents, they come to mom and dad when they want something, when they need something, but when they're content, they leave you alone. <laughs> right? Like, all right, let's just keep them content. No. <laughs> God's not like you and I, mom and dad. <laughs> God wants us to draw to him. And if that means withholding in the moment to get us to come to him, then he can give. Because the scripture tells us that, that even, even me being a sinful father, and I love my girls more than you guys will ever know. If me being a sinful father will give my children what they ask for, how much greater will he give to us when we ask the Holy Spirit in us? And guys, as we walk through this week and next week and in a couple more weeks, I really want to ingrain in your spirit and your heart, listen to me, God is for you. You don't have to ask if. He is. And knowing that, who can stand against us? Knowing that, what can we not accomplish on the other side of becoming more like his son? Because that is the ultimate goal. And I want our, I want our worship team to come back up. And there's, there's a line in the last song that we sang. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. And for some of you in here today, you don't know that God's working. For some of you, you question that God is even for you. And next week, we'll talk about what if I'm wrong? What, what if God's not really for me? And we'll address that. But for, for this morning, July the 11th, here at Avenue Church, I want you to know in your heart, above everything else, guys, that God is for you. That God is for you. So I want us to do this. I want us to bow our head and close our eyes. And the worship team is going to pray, or the worship team is going to sing after I pray in a moment. I'm actually going to do this. We're going to change things up. If you're on the prayer team, I'm going to ask you to come down to the front. If you're on the prayer team or one of our coordinators, I want you to come. And these guys are going to be here for you. Um, and they want to stand with you. They want to pray with you. They want to pray for you. And if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today and you need reassurance that he's for you, they want to pray with you. And if you've walked through some seasons and you felt like they were wasted, they want to stand with you and help you see and pray with you to be able to, to know that it's not wasted. If there's something that you need God to show up in and provide, and Scripture says that we ask and we ask with the right attitude, he'll give us that if it lines up with his will and word for our life they want to stand in agreement with you 
So actually, let's do this. Let's stand before we pray. Let's stand. And the band's going to sing. And I want to invite you just to come and let them pray with you. Father, God, I thank you for your word alive and active in our life. God, I pray that this statement that God is, that, that you are for us would just echo. And God, as we sing in the next few moments that you're working, even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, God, that you are working. God, that you are for us, that nothing is wasted and nothing is withheld. Informing us into your image to accomplish your purpose. And so, Father, we just allow a moment just for your spirit to move and speak and work in us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, amen. Stay safe.